1: It's the Two Shot Podcast. I'm Craig Parkinson. Thank you so much for downloading and being here. And look, if this is your first time, right? one, where have you been? And two, don't don't worry. I'm not telling you off. I'm just telling you that you do have 109 episodes to catch up on. So give it a scroll through. Pick someone you've heard of. Then go and pick someone you don't know. You might find out a little bit more about them. And, uh, yeah, this is episode 110, and we're back, it's Thursday, how have you been? Has everything been okay? Are you sure? Yeah? I know. And, look, no one likes January, do they? I don't. We've eased ourselves into January here very, very slowly, that's why we had a couple of weeks off, just to sort of recalibrate, really, and just get back into the swing of things. But look... Here we are. It's almost the end of January. We can just, just say goodbye to that now and look forward to the rest of the year because it's going to be an absolute cracker. No doubt we're lining up some brilliant guests for you. Obviously, I've just been making a list this morning. I've been making phone calls, seeing who's interested, and I'm very excited. Now, speaking of dates, now, we are closing the Birmingham Podcast Festival. On, get, your, yeah, get your diary out. Yeah, flick to March. Sunday, the 29th of March, we are going to be there. Birmingham Podcast Festival. Just Google Birmingham Podcast Festival, Two Shot Podcast, get your tickets. I'm just, as, as we speak, I am awaiting on an email about who our guest is going to be. Cross your fingers. Now, the day before that, 28th of March, uh, that's a Saturday, if you're in Manchester now, if you're in Manchester, just, just, Book the afternoon off, because I'm going to be there, I'm going to be doing a live podcast. Now, I can't tell you anything about it at all, because I'm part of something else. It's not actually mine. I've been asked to do something for somebody else. It's all very cryptic, isn't it? Why are you being cryptic, Craig? It's because it's not been uh, released yet. The press release hasn't been announced, so it's not my job to tell you. All my job is to tell you to do is to book that Saturday, to get your shopping done in the morning in Manchester. And then... Keep the afternoon free and hopefully by next week I can let you know exactly what is going on and where we're going to be. It would be really lovely to see you. So that's the 28th on a Saturday of March and the 29th, Manchester Saturday, Birmingham Sunday. Get your tickets. Come on down and I promise I will let you know about Saturday the 28th of March as soon as I am allowed to. Now, um, what else have I got to tell you? Oh. The tour, so myself and Griff are looking at dates, and we 're going to have a meeting about it next week. It is looking very strong for April May by that time you know we 're all been back at work a bit we 've got a bit of brass in the pocket. we can come out, and we want to come out because it 's not going dark at four o 'clock anymore, and everybody 's a little bit happier, so it 'll be really nice to see you. and once we have started, I think, I think I'm think i right in saying I've already booked a venue for the Manchester date where if it all comes off, it's going to be a place where you can sit down, we can all share a podcast together and we can eat some nice food and have a drink at the same time. Yeah, sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Well, look, as soon as we've sorted the tour dates out, we will let you know. But I need to book all the venues first and then we can Get the guests to come to see us. And then you can come and see us. God, I'm waffling today. See, this is what happens. I have two weeks off of non-talking, and then the is about half an hour long. So terribly sorry about that. You've probably already forwarded this, haven't you? Have you? If not, stay there. We're going to be moving on to the episode right now. Because this week is episode 110. And this we recorded this before Christmas. It was a half term. And yeah hence why if you're looking at your social media you'll see a photo of myself and our guest of this week which is the fabulous ruth bradley and there'll be a, a shorter human being in the bottom of the photograph that is my son because it was bring your child to work week it, it wasn't that's not really a thing is it i just didn't have any childcare, so he came with us um to sit in on some recordings, and he was helping Griff with a sound check. He loved it, but don't worry. Look, he had his headphones on during the actual conversations that we recorded because he knows a lot of adult content. So don't be running over to social services, okay? It was all above. Um, yeah, it, it was all fine. Um, I sound like I'm lying. There. I'm not. He did have his headphones on. Right, Ruth Bradley, the infectious. And lovely Ruth Bradley. We talk about growing up in Dublin. We talk about Trinity College. We talked. about She came to see us when she was very, very heavily pregnant. So we spoke about impending motherhood. And look, if you're not having the greatest day. Or you're still trudging around with sort of January blues. I can guarantee you that this episode will make you smile. Purely because of Ruth's infectious laugh. And we do laugh a lot. So let's get down to it. This is episode 110 of the Two Shot Podcast with the fantastic Ruth Bradley. Enjoy. I shall see you in a bit. When I got a message, because I just switched on my phone after the last record, and then I got a message going, oh, Ruth's going to be half an hour late. And I thought, oh, well, you know, it's all right, it's fine. I said, at the hospital, and oh, God, I hope she's all right. And then I was going, I hope she's going to be like... I'm not mad at her, but, like, come on, I might have a few strong words with her. And then... <laughs> <laughs> and then when I saw you come in, I didn't even know you were pregnant. Oh, really? No, I didn't know! <laughs> I didn't know because I haven't seen you for ages.
0: Of course. And no one told me. Yeah.
1: So, how are you feeling?
0: I'm feeling grand. Um, I think I probably need to slow down a bit. That's what I've realised. I've been just in denial, kind of like doing everything I normally do. So I probably just need to stop racing for things and filling my days with things. But I stopped working about three weeks ago.
1: What, how far are you gone are you now? Seven months. Right. So it's imminent?
0: Yeah, be Christmas probably.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Nice Christmas present, there.
0: Yeah, it's a bit terrifying, isn't it? I mean, it's exciting, but also, like, I don't know what I'm doing. But I guess most people don't.
1: Well, don't... That's the thing, innit. it? There's, no, there's any amounts of books. But that's other people's journeys. Yeah. This is, it would be completely different for you.
0: And they just need love and stuff from the beginning, don't they? Yeah, food, yeah.
1: food. I mean, <laughs> love's great. I, I'd give him some milk.
0: <laughs> I, <laughs> I love mean, I, milk.
1: Don't, don't listen to me, I'm not a mother, but my instinct would say milk.
0: I'll keep that in mind.
1: <laughs> so do you think you needed, n- not necessarily needed, to be pregnant to stop, but you one of those that just, as always, wants to keep going, keep doing something?
0: Yeah, and I don't think I ever even noticed it before until my body started going, just chill out a bit yeah like that this morning in the hospital they were like you need to come up and be marsh. I was like no no I'm grand lads they're like "You really do and everything's f- fine but still
1: I mean I know you know your own body but then again you're not a doctor no so exactly probably, <laughs> I mean again I'm no doctor it'd probably be best for them to have a check-up yeah but everything's fine everything's totally you're fine, fine. you look really well thank you do you feel knackered
0: I feel grand you but- just
1: feel like you just want to
0: I feel like I need to just you need stop. To. I don't want to, but I feel like actually I need to stop.
1: But that's really important that you're listening to your body.
0: Yeah, for the first time ever, probably. And also with the food and the cake, I just eat all the time, which is so nice. <laughs> we don't usually do that in <laughs> our game, really. You know, I don't anyway. Why
1: well, are you one of those that monitor what you eat?
0: I'm just one of those who gets fat really easily. Really? So, yeah. <laughs> really? I've <laughs> yeah. never thought that about you. Yeah, so I have to like eat healthy. I mean, if I had my way, I'd eat cake all the time.
1: And, and obviously potatoes.
0: Well, I've never been more Irish than the last seven months. All I want is mashed potatoes. It's ridiculous. I
1: always find it really hard whenever I'm over in in Ireland, especially Northern Ireland. For God, you know. Do you know when sometimes your your body just craves some vegetables Mm. and then you go right right, I'll have that piece of chicken, right, what am I gonna have with it? Well I can have roast potatoes, mashed potatoes, boiled potatoes, croquettes. Yeah. What's your? What's your? Well, I'm sure we can dig out some broccoli in the back somewhere.
0: (laughs) What's the last thing I want? No, no. Like I'm usually pretty healthy, but I like that Irish food now.
1: Of course you do. Your body craves the comfort. Yeah. I spent. I'm looking outside when I was waiting for you before, and um, no one's going to know. Listening to this, but it it is very much like being in Ireland because it's absolutely pissing it down today. How do you feel
0: about home? About Ireland? Mm. Um and I went home and did a job, which I finished about three weeks ago. I was doing a play; I hadn't done a play in about ten years, uh, so it was good to do it. But it's strange; it feels like I've been gone so long that I don't know if I would. I love Dublin, but I don't know if I could go back and live there. You know?
1: Well, could you afford to go back and Probably live? Probably not. In? No. Jesus, I mean, that is cre- all I hear is the housing crisis in Dublin all I the know.
0: time, and lots of homelessness, and there's no. Yeah. Way. It's desperate, and then everything's way too expensive.
1: And then there's all those huge, beautiful houses. No one's there. Yeah. still boarded up.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's mad. I noticed that even when I was, like, loads of houses with stuff grown out of them and mm. stuff when I was in Dublin. And once things start growing out of them, that's it, they have to knock them down. They can't fix them.
1: Mm-hmm. Can't, can't salvage them?
0: No, council won't. So once you see something sprouting out of a roof, that's it, it's gone.
1: That's really sad.
0: It's really sad, and it doesn't happen here, anyway. And why is no one doing anything
1: about it? Not that this is a podcast about the Irish housing <laughs> crisis. I mean, we can do. I don't know a lot about it. You'd have to tell me. Well, I don't
0: know why nobody's doing anything about it. And homelessness is a real problem there.
1: Have you seen it escalate?
0: Well, I mean, I'm here all the time, but I've heard it escalate, you know?
1: Because I'm working up in Manchester at the moment. I have been all summer, really, and now it's bleeding into next year. And I hadn't been, and wor- oh, I had been, but I hadn't worked up there for a considerable amount of time for ages. And the homelessness is rife. I mean, you know, right in the city centre. Really? Yeah, I couldn't believe it. And, you know, it's just got worse and worse. Yeah. Again, this isn't a Homeless, <laughs> a homeless in the North podcast. I wish I it wasn't. But look, maybe there should be. <laughs> but we need, to, we need, need to, to gather certain documents before we can have a, an opinion about that, don't exactly. we? Exactly.
0: And I also don't know enough about it to say what we should do about it yet, next time.
1: But what you do know a lot about um, is growing up in Dublin.
0: Yeah. I you know a lot of background. So, should we start
1: there? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Have some of your scone. Are okay. you scone. Are you going in just no no cream?
0: Is that not cream, I thought it was butter. Jesus.
1: <laughs> We're not in Ireland. Look at the state of that. That's clotted cream, Ruth. Oh,
0: yeah, it is. I see, I see. I'll have some of that.
1: I see the pregnancies <laughs> <impaired> your vision.
0: <laughs> um, yes, Dublin. Well, um, I lived in Canada for the first few years.
1: Uh, for whose work?
0: Uh, my dad was a doctor and there was no money, they had no money and they were very young. So they just said they'd move over there when I was born. So we went when I was about, I think, one and then stayed there till I was about five and a half. So I don't remember. The, my, my early memories are Canada.
1: Whereabouts in Canada were you?
0: Newfoundland. Right, OK. Hmm. sounds kind of Irish anyway, but it was really quite different. That's a very specific accent over there. Mm how you going, are you grand? Yeah. <laughs> I still got it. No, I still got it. My accent was like a weird hybrid New Yorker because my parents are about dubs. Obviously hearing it, I was kind of talking like, hey, how's it going, Mom?" Yeah, like, of course. Strange. Um, but then we all moved back, but my dad kind of stayed, but they were still together and he was like a doctor in Pinocchio, which is the middle of nowhere in Canada, between like Alberta and Calgary. So we moved back to Dublin and then we'd visit him so I came back when I was five to Dublin. I noticed how my accent was so different and got bullied a bit for that so quickly. Got rid of that accent and got my dub accent and never lost it. I was
1: going to say, you soon adapted.
0: Yeah, but I haven't adapted to here. I've been here 15 years so I never lost it. Well, it's funny, isn't it?
1: So many people don't.
0: Mm. Well, you'd be so slagged if you went home and you had a different accent. Like, all your family would never speak to you again. Do you...
1: Do you... Do that thing consciously or subconsciously, because I know so many people do when they go back to Dublin and then they'll come back to, say, London and they're really strong, Mm. really strong in their accent. I know when I go back north and then I come back to wherever I am, they go, oh, God, you've got really. (laughs) 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 Somebody thinks I'm from Manchester. I'm not from Manchester, it's just because I'm working there, loads, and I kind of just, it just comes into me. I don't kind of put it on, but I can do hear myself sometimes. Just when you're around, Totally. you're in that environment you're around those people
0: mm. I don't think I put it on but definitely like when I'm back my fellas say your accent's so much stronger it just I'm happens yeah. but also I started saying shall you know shall we go for dinner or I was sat outside and my sister just rips me apart for that <laughs> <laughs> so sorry will we go and I was sitting outside no. where are you from <laughs> <laughs> don't get the word out until I just take the piss out of me
1: so, yeah. How old your sister? What's the age difference there?
0: I have a twin there are th- so my sister's six years younger, my brother's three years younger, and then I have a thirteen-year-old sister who's nearly twenty years younger. Really? Yeah, she's pretty amazing. Wow. Yeah. What do your mum and dad think? What's going on there? No, they're not together anymore. Oh yeah. right, <laughs> <laughs> that would be a mad. I 20, was going to say, wait twenty years and I then mean, try again.
1: The love is still there. <laughs> That's inc- what an incredible relationship. I
0: know. Wouldn't that be great? No. <laughs> My dad and his girlfriend are in an incredible relationship and that's my sister's mum, yeah.
1: And so, so did your dad stay in Canada or is he back now?
0: No, basically he came back when I was 12 and then they just split when he came back.
1: Do you think that distance was a stress on the relationship?
0: Probably, yeah.
1: I mean, mean, you said you were popping over there to visit him. It's Mm. not like you're... Getting trained to Belfast, that's Canada. that's a long way.
0: Exactly, and it was every few months, so he would probably be over there a few months, and then I think he, sa- he says now, you know, I missed home and I missed my family and stuff, but as a kid you don't really notice, so I think I kind of just thought it was always mam there, you know, and mm. dad was more of an exciting thing. Um, so they came back and split pretty much immediately, which is a bit sad for them. Um, Did that
1: have any impact for you and your brother and your sister at that time? How, how old were you when they split up?
0: I was twelve. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then my brother was nine, sister was six. Yeah. I mean, for years I was like, oh no, that was no, made no difference. But actually, probably had a massive impact. And it's a shy time for your parents to break up because you're a teenager.
1: Exactly. So you're coming into <gasps> so many new things within yourself.
0: Yeah. Exactly. That
1: you're kind of learning to deal with.
0: Yeah. I mean, I used to say, you know, it, it kind of something about it when they split, I was like, all oh, right, now I can put a label on what this is. Because it was always a bit of a strange, in hindsight, a bit dysfunctional. Um, but um, when you can put a label on it, you kind of go, oh, well, now I can say, my parents split, so that's why it's a bit weird.
1: Mm. <laughs> and that's my excuse and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, that's
0: my line. Um, but he was but, yeah. still there, he
1: was still, he was still back in Dublin. Yes, yeah, so yeah.
0: when they split, then he was around, which was kind of nice also. And then I think some weird, dramatic part of me thought this is like an American TV show because I see him every second weekend and I see him on a Wednesday night and I liked the drama of that, which is so weird and strange to admit, but
1: yeah. But it's funny because you, <laughs> you, you liken it to some sort of American drama. Well, that's kind of what you see when I you're know. growing up.
0: and I remember when they split my granny, like my dad's mother, kept just going, oh, it's an American TV show, you know. I'm <laughs> very <laughs> oh, <Larry> Catholic Irish. <laughs> like, I know. And you're
1: thinking... Well, it's great because you know, get two sets of Christmas presents. Exactly.
0: I'm, I'm
1: that. I'm that kid now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I can. I can label myself mm. now and I can go. Oh, that's why I was a bit strange or different. You know.
1: Did, did you think you were strange and different?
0: Uh, yeah, I always thought I was a bit too. Well, in hindsight, I was probably a bit too mature. I think my parents probably treated me like an adult since since I was born.
1: Because you were the eldest.
0: Yeah. Probably because I was the eldest. Also, they were pretty young, and uh, they. Yeah, that was just the way they, they interacted with me. And I would call my younger brother and sister the kids. Right. And they're only three years and six years younger. Yeah. But I like, I've, very early on became like, I wanted to be in this maternal role. I don't really know where. but
1: Do you think it was their, how they responded to you, their relationship with you, how they conversed with you as a child or as a, an
0: equal? Yeah, probably, that I felt like I was more with them yeah. than my brother and sister. And they loved my brother and sister as if they were my kids, which is kind of strange, you know, like people talk about sibling rivalry and stuff. I was really much more like they were my own.
1: I mean, this is not therapy, Ruth. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but... this, no, I have to say, this is baby brain. Like, this has really struck me. I have no filter. This I just having this, you know.
1: Is, you're exactly the type of person who should be sat next to me. Oh, was, fuck. <laughs> You know, that's the good thing about this. About this podcast. Well, yeah, because I kind of don't want... It's not that I don't want people to have a filter, I just want people to feel safe that they can talk about anything, knowing that they have the control.
0: Totally. That we can cut it out. Well, yeah, it's not...
1: You know know what it's like yourself if you're doing an interview with the fucking Irish Times or whatever publication. If you say one thing... Mm. You know you shouldn't have said that and automatically you start to physically seize up and you go, right, well, I'm not saying anything now because I've just let that out and I'm off guard and I shouldn't be.
0: It means you're playing a role when you're Mm. doing press, which is weird, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's funny because, and I'm repeating myself here as well, um, I remember talking to Mark Strong uh, not so long ago and he was saying when he does his press, he's completely open.
0: Really? Oh,
1: yeah. Completely open about anything, and he says because he's he fi- he projects that he's physically open, and he is. They kind of don't go that way. Mm. They don't go too far with him. I don't know. It's, I think he's got some sort of mystical power with
0: it. That's amazing mm. because I think I don't know about you, but I go in with like a guard up, going, "Okay, I'm not talking about this, I'm not talking about this," and pretend I'm really open.
1: Yeah, I used to. I used to be really guarded, but. St- since I've started this, now um, I've gained a new sort of superpower that I can I can manipulate the conversation and steer it in the right way to how I want it to be. Oh, and right. now it's out there now. And if journalists listen to this, I'm fucked. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so you can also self-edit
1: because they know. Yeah, I know. I should self-edit. No, but a bit you can more. edit this podcast. I should edit that out. <laughs> I probably won't, to be honest. No, no. <laughs> Maybe I'm too honest sometimes.
0: But it's probably also. You care less, maybe. Do you know?
1: Oh no, I think I care more. Oh really? Yeah, I care. More. Well, I certainly care more now about doing something like this because mm. I've got this interaction, and it—I don't know—means loads. Anyway, it's not about me, Ruth. <laughs> I see what you're trying to do. <laughs>
0: you're me more. Don't try
1: and do a Dermot O'Leary on me. It won't work.
0: Did he do that on he you? He
1: tried to do it. Yeah, oh. but that's in him.
0: Yes, because of that's
1: what he does for a living. Totally. And he—and he. Oh, sorry, sorry. I said, don't try
0: that with me. Okay. Do you know what I do is get people to talk about themselves, not in a, an interviewing capacity, but, you know, sometimes you meet somebody who just asks you really serious questions about your life and your childhood, and you're like, oh, I feel, really like I would rather be on that side of it, like mm. asking you stuff.
1: Could you turn it around?
0: Generally, I do. I should edit that out too.
1: And do they clam? Do they clam up, or do they let you in?
0: If I meet somebody too much like me, then we're at a bit of a stalemate. Oh. <laughs> 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 I know but it's just more comfortable asking people about themselves and hearing about themselves to me than going and then this happened and this happened
1: but we don't know each other that well i mean we've met <coughs> over the years on numerous occasions i've I'm, well maybe we're talking about a, a different form of conversation or relationship but you've never struck me as as guarded or anything you've always been I mean, I can always hear your laugh before I see you. <laughs> which,
0: which, yeah. which is a
1: really lovely thing. Yeah, And it immediately puts you off guard and makes you open. Because you think, oh, well, that she's obviously open and honest and that's fine.
0: Yeah, well, weirdly, actually, I've never felt that guarded around actors. Maybe well, My mum's an actress, so I grew up around... but any, Because I just think they're... I mean, as a kid, I always found them pretty open anyway.
1: Because you were around them.
0: Yeah, and I did a play with my mum when I was 10. And we went touring, we were in the Donmar... And we went to Poland and there were, like, 30 actors in the play and they were all so lovely. But I would literally walk up to them and go, if you don't have kids, did you not want to have kids? Or or could you have kids? Like, mental questions.
1: Yeah, but in hindsight, you're 10 years old. But nowadays, imagine asking that question. But funnily enough, just going back to journalists, isn't it interesting the more you hear (coughs) journalists would ask someone who who doesn't have kids from... To a woman. Mm-hmm. So why, why not? I know. Now, that doesn't happen to a bloke.
0: No, it doesn't. It's so grim, that fact, isn't it? Well, I just...
1: Uh, if someone came on here, and people have, and women have, and they haven't had children, what, why would I, I ask... A, not that I like to ask questions, but why would I ask that question? I, I don't. Know. What I suppose I'm saying is I, I want to know how their mind works when they ask a question like that.
0: Yeah. It's weird, it's probably just a weird old hangover from misogyny and the patriarchy that just, it's okay to I ask a woman that. I think you've probably hit the
1: nail on the head because they certainly want not ask it to a bloke.
0: No way. And, and don't. No, it doesn't even enter their minds. No. Well,
1: that's, that's, that's the rationale what? Mm. I can't get my head around it.
0: And it's so weird as well being pregnant now because I think when I was younger, because my mum's an actress and... I was just like, oh, Jesus, if you get pregnant, that's dangerous, you know? No matter what age you are, if you have kids, you can't just be so selfish and just throw yourself into your career. And my mum used to say in past, like, oh, don't have kids young, don't do what I did, you know, because have your career first, and I was always going to be an actress and everything. So now I'm kind of going, oh, but I am pregnant. And that's OK. <laughs> I mean, Of course like, it's OK. But I would have always thought, and a part of me has thought, like doing press and stuff, oh, I should keep it to myself and not make a big deal of it, but it's like... That's mad too.
1: You'd be very hard to try and keep that to yourself now, Ruth. <laughs> to be honest, I know. At this stage, what <laughs> I'm saying that maybe they're a bit stupid. Yeah, and they yeah. wouldn't know.
0: That's true. But yeah, there should be to each their own, shouldn't it? Well, always, yeah,
1: because surely your life comes before your work.
0: Totally, it can't just be about acting. That's another thing I've learned. That's mental.
1: Have you always thought that? Or is that something you've learned over time?
0: No, that's something I've learned over time. <coughs> yeah, when I was a teenager and when I was working in Dublin, when I first moved here, when I was 18, I was mental with it. You know, mm. if I wasn't doing something... That, and you can't. You're not fucking auditioning every day or... your agent's well, just not doesn't happen, Yeah, you <laughs> <like that? laughs> no, never. And you're not working all the time, but I didn't know that. So I was kind of walking around London on my own at 18 going, I better read a Stanislavski book, you know, like... <laughs>
1: But then again, you're 18. Mm, that's true. And you're, the drive is there, and that's all, everything. You're just in that bubble, aren't you? Mm. That's all there is to it. So, you know, you can let yourself off the hook with that, surely.
0: That's true. It did take a few years, though, I'd say, recent enough, like probably the last five or six years, that I was like, oh, there's more to life. There actually is. I don't think I really had grasped that at all.
1: Was there something that happened that certainly cemented your feet on the floor with that... Way of thinking, or was it just a gradual progression?
0: No, I was a bit low and I was like, I'm working, do you know, and I'm working on good things, but it's not doing it for me, it's not fulfilling this need. I still loved my work and everything, but I'd come home after work and I'd be like, There's got to be more to life than this. So I suppose I was a bit depressed, and then I went to therapy, which totally changed mm. everything, you know.
1: Was there something? Happening in your life at the time that was counterbalancing the work because that's funny thing, isn't it? That you're saying that, well, look, I'm working, but I still come home unfulfilled and I'm actually not very happy.
0: Because
1: mm. people sometimes think, don't they? Oh, well, it, well, if you're constantly working, then you must be happy. Yeah, really, the two don't really go hand in hand.
0: No, and the more people who say, oh, you're working all the time, you must be so happy, the more you go, actually, I'm fucking not. Do you know, <laughs> like yeah. deep down, I'm not. Uh, was there, I was in a pretty bad relationship, I think that was really... So I didn't come ho- find any solace anywhere, you know.
1: Because you, you were going from work to come home into an environment that you didn't want to be in.
0: Exactly. And I didn't know how to get out of it. So I really... I suppose all childhood tools that I'd used my whole life, then, you know, at 27, I was like, oh, no, this isn't, this isn't going to work anymore. Mm. I need to open this can of worms to try and figure this stuff out. And it was horrendous, and I still do it years later, but it has been a lifesaver.
1: I think it is. Because (sighs) it's so, so easy to get trapped in your own head and all of a sudden there's just a carousel of questions going round and Mm. you need to filter them out because you can't answer them. No. But there's room for more questions, but you need someone to bounce them off, surely, don't you?
0: Yeah, and you need to, well, I needed to go into the darkness of stuff from being a kid to really get through the other side and then go, oh, I don't need to use those tools anymore. You know, because kids, you know, when people say, oh, kids can survive anything, they just have to. Do you know what I mean? It's not that they can and they're brilliant at it. But you don't need to behave like that when you're an adult. But you're still doing it because yeah. you don't know any other way. So, yeah, I think that was, it's an ongoing, I'm not fixed or anything, but... I'm much happier. And it's great to be able to say, I oh, you know I'm having a baby and I'm in a relationship with somebody who I love. And that's it. There's no dark shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. funny
1: because you were talking about your dad for ages there and then I thought, I've got to wonder what Ruth Mums does, but you've already said
0: that oh, yeah, she was
1: an actress and she'd always been an actress.
0: No, she hadn't. She was like, <clears throat> when we first moved to Canada, she was just raising us and she was a folk singer. Um, was she? Yeah, she's an amazing singer, actually. So I didn't know she was an actress but i always had this idea i'm an actress you know i remember seeing films and playing for people and making people feel something if they were laughing or if i was making them feel sad by being sad i thought oh this is brilliant i'm like manipulating people's emotions when i was like 5 or 6
1: oh really that was, young
0: yeah it was just quite dark but i was like i love this making people feel something forcing them to feel something um, so I didn't know she was an actress, and then we came home to Dublin, and she started acting. I was like, "This, this is my job." <laughs>
1: <laughs> what were you, That you for can't me. Robbed
0: my job. Oh, man. Must have
1: been a great influence on you there.
0: <laughs> <Mum>. <laughs> I must taught a few things, but she had been an actress before I was born. I didn't know. Yeah.
1: And did she carry on when she was in Dublin?
0: Yeah, and then our our life was very much like because my dad would be away but there were always actors around and I'd kind of go with her into theatres and sit backstage while they were rehearsing. I was always around actors. And like I said, always asking them really personal questions. So I felt really comfortable around actors. But I also got to see so many different kinds of actors and go, oh, I don't want to do that when I'm older. Mm. I don't want to be consumed with this rage and bitterness. Do you know?
1: God, wow, how incredible that you felt that and saw that at such an early age yeah. and took it on board.
0: Yeah, and I hadn't put two and two together that I can't be obsessed with the job and avoid that. You know, you have to, you have to have your own life also. And you know, I would as a kid it doesn't change. You know, actress saying, "Oh, she doesn't see me for this, and they don't ring me for this," and I fucking hate that person. And you know, that person got my job. I remember thinking, this is not the way forward.
1: Did it get to a point because you, you were saying before it's only ever a matter of you know a few years ago where you've gone, well, I need to look at what's important and compartmentalise what's best for me. Mm. Were you at a point where things were quite obsessive with just with work and it was all-encompassing?
0: Yeah, definitely, because that was where my joy was. That was the only place that I was happy, getting picked up at six in the morning. I'd be like, oh, great, being at work all day. And once I was home at half seven, I'd be like, oh, nothing. No, there's nothing now until I get picked up again. Like, I would have happily worked 24-7. Gosh. Yeah. So when I wasn't working, then I would go into a real... Pit of despair.
1: Did it ever fall into, I don't want to say depression, but sadness?
0: Definitely sadness, yeah. And I was still using that tool from being a kid, so whenever I'd speak to him, I'd be like, yeah, everything's fine and grand, you know, but secretly at home gone.
1: Well, there's only so much of a front you can put on totally. until it starts to chip away. Yeah. But well, at least you realise. Because, you know, you'd, I don't know about you, but you do see people in whatever forms of their work and it's they're just tunnel visioned about it Mm. and sometimes I think are are you are you blocking something else out because there needs to be a counterbalance
0: well I think that's it you've hit the nail on the head no matter what your job is if you're just obsessed with doing it all the time you're avoiding your own life and your own emotional life and it's easy to do that in this job because there's so much excitement and and I had a moment where I was walking down the road and I was like, I can't remember, I was filming somewhere, like in a different city, and I was walking down my time off, and I was just so happy. I thought, Why am I so happy? It's like, because I'm pretending to be somebody else. Right. That's horrendous. <laughs> 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 that is so depressing. I was like, this is mental, I need to sort this shit out. But you have to catch
1: yourself on and ask yourself that question. Yeah. It's really important.
0: It's so important, and it's an ongoing thing, isn't it, just to be like. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I was talking to someone the other day about how they were, and she said, "Yeah, I th- yeah, I think I'm all right." And then she really took her time to because she really thought about it. And how often do we just just blur it out?
0: That's brilliant.
1: Do you ask yourself more questions now than what you used to about life
0: in general? Mm. Yeah, and I see, I see a future now, when I never really did. I saw the next job, you know? And if I hadn't worked much in the year I'd be like, well, that was a waste of a year. Complete waste. You know, nothing and, happened.
1: And would you be quite uh, tough on yourself?
0: Yeah, really tough, but wouldn't tell anybody about it. Oh, God, that's... So grim.
1: That's really soul-destroying, isn't
0: mm, it? Because I desperately didn't want to seem too upset. Or... Also, moving here, when I moved here... I didn't know anybody or anything so I very much set up this kind of solitary life for myself mm. so I was used to that
1: Did you know people here when you moved?
0: No, 18? I didn't know anyone no. well, I'd like, Have a cup of tea Thanks I'd been working in Dublin and then just dropped out I went to Trinity and then I dropped out Why did you drop out? I knew I didn't want to do it What, what were you doing at Trinity? Germanic languages why are we doing Germanic... <laughs> <laughs> Why are we doing Germanic
1: languages? Where have we got... I mean, we're jumping around the timeline here. But we've gone from... Uh, the last thing we were talking about, work. You were ten years old and you were doing a play with your mum. Mm. And now we are jumping forward at Trinity. Well, yes, no wonder you dropped out. Why, how did that come I know. to pass?
0: I'd been touring with a play around Ireland while I was doing the Leaving Cert, which is like the A-levels in the south. And, um, and I just... My dad was kind of saying, you're intelligent, you know, you should go to college. So I thought, all right, what's the best college that will look good then for my dad? So I put down Trinity and I got in and then I was there, you know, two weeks in going, what am I doing here? I know what I want to do with my life and I don't need a fall back plan because I don't, I'm not going to do it anyway. You know, a backup plan is not going to work anyway.
1: I mean, that's a quick real, I mean, I was going to say it's a quick realisation a few weeks in, but... In hindsight, you probably already knew before you even applied to get into Trinity, didn't totally. you?
0: Totally. Know? So I said, this is a four-year course. I'll move to London and reassess in four years. So then I just got on a plane like two weeks later. Wow. I know, mental. Just answered a Gumtree ad and lived in a strange room in Golders Green. God. I <laughs> know. So grim. With I looked about 12. With the, <laughs> <laughs> with the plan being what? nothing just well I got an agent because I had showreels from Dublin so I came over got an agent and then just that was it I got an agent really early which was brilliant but then the plan was just to sit here and I remember my agent saying are you, are you okay do you have people and I was like yeah fine totally fine but in hindsight just probably like that kid is, doesn't know what's going on
1: Jesus I mean we spoke earlier about your mum and dad you know you feeling that your younger brother and sister were the kids mm. it's like you've grown up it's like you're mid-twenties now and you're only 18. You're just learning to know, know. starting to learn to know who you are yeah. as a woman.
0: Yeah, I think I probably bypassed that. That yeah, I was happened in say. my late-twenties, yeah. yeah.
1: <gasps> so what happened in London? now? There must have been times of loneliness, surely.
0: Yeah, it was mostly lonely. The first year it was desperate because I didn't know anyone. So I was kind of working in telly sales and working in G.B. Gourmet Burger Kitchen, which was a brand-new, trendy place at the time. Um, Classic. Yeah, but they don't tip you, so I was like, this is a desperate (laughs) job, nobody tips. Um, But, uh, so I just did that. I remember hearing somebody said, you know, rice and beans is a cool thing for students to eat, so I went and got Heinz Baked Beans, because I didn't know any of the students. (laughs) I was like, this is kind of weird,
1: but... I remember when I moved, excuse me, from blackpool when i was just on the cusp of 18 and i was going to drama school and i didn't really know anybody but even i had times of loneliness yeah and you're just here you know flipping burgers and serving burgers and not getting a tip i know. waiting for
0: reading stanislavski book the phone totally i remember going to an audition like getting an audition on a friday afternoon and it was for the monday and go Those days
1: are gone, that doesn't happen anymore. No. Really.
0: <laughs> Three long days. thought that you could actually do a bit of work. I know, and oh. I had a physical script to my aunt, uh, But I locked myself in the bedroom. Well, it's grand because I was afraid of everybody I lived because I didn't know them anyway. And I just sat there reading the script for three days and learning the lines, but didn't go out, you know, but just running out of the kitchen. You know that thing of not wanting to disturb people because they were grown-ups because they were 23, you know? Yeah. Uh, so then I just eat in the bedroom, just obsessing over the script. By the time I got to the meeting on the Monday, I couldn't speak. The director was like, how are you? I was like, mm. <laughs> I've, got no, I've
1: got no brain. I left it in the, the bedroom.
0: Yeah, I haven't spoken to anyone in three days. So it's really not very healthy.
1: I know, but it's all a learning curve, isn't it?
0: Totally, yeah. A
1: long learning
0: curve. <laughs> yeah. Well, the great thing is nothing will ever be that bad again. It was so bad that first year that, like, you know, I went to did a bit of work in L.A. and people were like, oh, was that hard? I was like, I was grand. Everything's fine now.
1: Yeah. Was because- there times during that year that you just went, I think I just need to get back home, to be honest? Or were you so... Because we talked about your bloody mindedness mm. about it Did you, were you still like that about it
0: totally yeah I was never going home I think also at that time I didn't feel like I could go home for some reason I was like I've I've left I've you know said what I'm doing and that's what I'm doing so I'm going to do it
1: because you would maybe think that you'd be seen as some sort of failure Yeah. yeah
0: definitely that was it It's like I'm doing four years or nothing. Mm. And I had been around all these actors my whole life and I remember, you know, going... I drank a lot more when I was a teenager than I do now, but being in the pub all the time with older actors kind of saying, oh, such and such gone to London, you know, thinks they're great or whatever. I thought, I can't come back till I've made something of myself. So I had this mad...
1: Oh, you'll be that fodder, you'll be that tall. Exactly.
0: So this mental pressure, I'm better off being on my own with nobody over there, then. <laughs> Could then be in a chat for somebody in a pub. Just thinking
1: about that stress of, that, of an 18-year-old.
0: I know. And I should have gone to drama school in hindsight. I mean, I don't sit around going, I wish I'd been, but uh, the sociable aspect would have been nice.
1: I was going to say, at least you'd be having a chat to people and exactly. not just scurrying yeah. away in your bedroom.
0: Totally, have some friends. Mm. But there was a, an element of cockiness as well. It was like a short, bloody-mindedness and cockiness, I think, I had.
1: Well, it's funny, because... I you've always struck me as someone, and I mean this as a compliment, who's certainly not backwards. (laughs) No, I don't mean... (laughs) No, I mean as someone who is not backwards, we're coming forwards, Mm. who is is direct and who will look you in the eye. Mm. And that's obviously, you've always been like that.
0: Yeah, very much so. I think I was always interested in people, like, always. Yeah. I never got why people wouldn't be. Which is probably what I liked about the job, but...
1: That's kind of what you do for a living. I'm sure even at Gourmet Burger Kitchen you were looking around and watching people all the time and wondering what their story was. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of what you do.
0: Yeah. And you don't have to think about your own story much when you're looking at other people's stories. Which is great sometimes, isn't it? Yeah. Gives
1: yourself a right break from your own mind.
0: (laughs) Totally, from your own (laughs) warped mind. I mean, it is such a strange... The older I get, the more I think, this is such a strange way to make a living. I love it, and I wouldn't have it any other way, but... It is. there should be more studies done on why actors become actors and what it really is that makes us do it.
1: Well, I think if you sit down and start to dissect that, I mean, how long a ball of string? I know, it's and true. And also, and again, this isn't about me, Yeah. but since I started this, it's, it's absolutely fascinating because it's very rare that there's certain things that pop out that you go, oh, that's similar to that person, that's everybody's story's so, so different. it's so different. Actually, I've noticed that even
0: listening to it. It's so
1: fascinating. It's so fascinating to me because I have to sort of navigate the conversation, sort of drink it in and try and remember what's going on. Oh, you said you were doing that and why is that? During that time, in that first year, did you... Were you honest with your parents about how you were feeling? Or were you trying to put on a brave face?
0: Um. I probably, I wasn't honest with them about how, was, how bad I was feeling, mm. No, uh, And I remember at one stage, I think my mum saying you should come home. And I was like, no, 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 I'm obviously not covering this up well enough. <laughs> it's, look, it's your mum. <laughs> of course she's not going gonna... to know. Oh. But they were always very much like, you're on loan till you're 18. You know, since I was a kid. And our job is just to help you till you're 18 and then you go. Then that's your thing, you know. Right, OK. So I was always set to go. I didn't know where I was really going, though. So that was kind of
1: drummed into you quite early.
0: Yeah. That idea that I'm a grown-up, so I should know what I'm doing.
1: God. I know. It's taken me a long time, and sometimes I still don't know what I'm doing.
0: Yeah. (laughs) No, I didn't either. I was just pretending.
1: But I think that's all right to admit. I
0: think
1: you should admit that. Yeah. you still get lost?
0: Uh, How do you mean? In...
1: Not in even in the work environment, in sort of day to day stuff.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, definitely. Like, I think probably everybody does, but it's not crippling.
1: Ah, but, ah, but do ever, does everybody admit it? Yeah, maybe That's the not. Thing. I don't think they do. Yeah, you know you talked about putting on that brave face when you were eighteen. I still see people do that now.
0: That's so grim. I know. Because no good can come of it. Well oh,
1: no, because it's just repression, repression. Totally. All of a sudden.
0: Yeah. Like, imagine if everybody just said, oh, yeah, that was shit, and I had a tough time there. Mm. Everybody would be so much healthier. All
1: yeah. right.
0: And I, I'd i like to make therapy free on the NHS for kids between 18 and 22 or something. Four sessions or something, just go and do it. Yeah,
1: well, you've met my son. It's all right. He can talk <laughs> the hind legs off a donkey. So he, he has his free therapy with me. Brilliant. I went into... Uh, we can cut this bit out. I went into his... Um, to do parents' evening mm. on my own a few weeks ago. And the first thing was great thing about hardy is you know exactly where you are with him because he tells you everything
0: (laughs) that's amazing
1: and she went i wonder where he gets that from and i went (laughs) yes fine do you do that yeah i do now i do now Mm. i never used to but now i'm like
0: isn't it weird as well when you don't it's for i always found it was for other people and you're Mm. protecting other people Mm. when you don't say how you really feel. You don't want to make them feel uncomfortable.
1: But it only comes back on yourself at the end of the day. Totally.
0: Yeah. Interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it's great that he does that. I know. I'm sure. Hopefully this one will... That's scary too, isn't it? Like becoming a parent and not knowing how you're going to do it.
1: I'm trying to think if I ever was scared of that. I think I was scared of... lots of other things. Really? Yeah. Scared of what if I what if I look and I don't particularly like them. Mm <laughs> <laughs> Haven't thought of that one. Shit, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to put that in there? Someone said to me the other day, um, I said, Oh, um is it is it's is it, baby had just been born and I said, Is it a cute baby? And She went, "Well, yeah, all babies are cute." And I went,
0: "No, that's no, not true." Not. <laughs> no, actually, no. She went,
1: "They are." I went, "Oh, that's your opinion." Mm, I'm, I've seen some pretty fucking ugly babies. I'm with in you, my
0: time. though. <laughs> Definitely.
1: <laughs> we'll put some <laughs> terrible shit in your mind today, Ruth. This is awful. I know. <laughs> so, what happened after that first year?
0: Was um, were,
1: you, were you making friends in London? Nah. I'm sort of worried about I know, the fact that you're still be. in that fucking bedroom, to be honest. I <laughs>
0: know. Did I say in that bedroom, I moved to another place after about four months, and I could pay the rent, but then after two months I couldn't pay the rent, but they were such a lovely gaff full of people. They let me live behind the couch and just pay what I could from my earnings. They were so nice.
1: You, you lived behind the couch? <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's a novel in that already. <laughs> That's <laughs> weird if not there's <laughs> just, definitely a podcast just
0: so, your face that's so sad <laughs> but that was my high time that's when it was getting good because these people were so nice and we had a good time and sometimes there were parties but this is just I sound so ridiculous but I remember having all my clothes laid out like i make it like a little bedroom then I'd hear them getting up at seven and push the couch back Desperate.
1: I, I kind of love this story really. it's, <laughs> it's a beautiful image this, it's shit like this. this is podcast gold already really? Ruth lives behind the couch <laughs> I can see it now, I love
0: it. It was so good. If they ever hear this podcast, I hope they know how grateful I am. So kind. Yeah. Again, I thought they were old. They were 25. Yeah?
1: But they seemed old to you. Yeah, because yeah. they had
0: proper lives and jobs, and one of them was talking about maybe getting married. I was like, Jesus.
1: I'm a long way off that. Yeah. Oh God. But yeah, in hindsight, you were still... Were you even, you weren't even, were you even 19? No. no. No? No.
0: And when I turned 19, I got a job, and that was great then.
1: Oh, what were you that's doing? milk. Oh, that's milk. I put it with water.
0: <laughs> that's okay. I don't need any more decafes. See, I'm,
1: just for listeners, I'm just trying to help Ruth out. <laughs> and I thought the little jug was milk. This is not podcast goals. No, that. that's
0: gross. Drink. Right. I won't be drinking that. It's right. finish, um, finish
1: your scone and your massive pat of butter. <laughs> well, uh, so what, what job did you get then at 19?
0: I got a telly job, which was actually back in Dublin.
1: How did you feel about that, going back to Dublin?
0: Well, I felt like I could pretend I was still real cool, because, oh, yeah, I still live in London, yeah, amazing meetings, blah, 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 blah. Um, and I wasn't, like, a bullshitter like that, but I thought, you know, it looks good that I'm still there. I haven't come back with my tail between my legs. Uh, and you've come
1: back for a specific reason. Exactly, yeah. to
0: do a job. And then that kind of shifted something, and then I, would, I kind of got a day on something, some TV show called The Golden Hour. I don't know if anyone remembers that. It was an episode of that, but anyway an ITV show, and I remember playing a, a British character, like kind of general, s rp and thinking, now I'm, now I'm in. And for the first few years, I used to go into meetings so worried about being Irish, thinking, although nobody casts Irish people, that I would speak in this kind of plummy accent throughout the meeting. Like, really, in hindsight, I wasn't doing myself any favours. And then... Well, I remember going to a meeting again and somebody was like, oh, remember Carrie Hilton, actually?
1: Yeah, remember? I do remember Carrie. Yeah. She was so
0: lovely, but she yeah. said, oh, how are you, Ruth? And I thought, oh, fuck. Can't remember where I'm from. So I was, oh, yes, so good. And she-, <laughs> 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 and she was like, have you been back to Dublin lately? I was like, yeah, have yeah yeah. And I was like, Jesus, I need to stop this. So really, I was... Jeez, who am I? Who am I? Who do I want to be? Yeah. Like, it took me a while to actually accept that it's okay to be Irish here. I think when I first... Moved, I thought, oh no, all the, all the great parts are like plummy kind of RP kind of things. So it probably doesn't look good if I've got this ticked Do open accent. that's
1: where that came from? You, you sort of subconsciously drank that in to think, well, I've got to sound like somebody else.
0: I think so, yeah. And then I really focused on doing that for years. Really strange. Wow. Mm. Yeah.
1: But I suppose at the moment, no one's telling you, no, right, you, you can just be who you are and, and then we can the adapt right. later on. Yeah. yeah.
0: I really didn't know. God, that's quite draining, Ruth. Totally, especially when I forgot who I was. Well. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, I nipped that in the bud. And then I was like, no more of this. I'll just be Irish and then change my accent for the jobs. Yeah, learned that one.
1: I'm still concerned that you don't have a friendship group at the moment. <laughs> still- it's, it's 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 niggling away. In I my got a heart. friendship
0: group when I was nineteen.
1: All right. Yeah. So we've waited a full year. Yeah,
0: it was that job. So I came so some of the people on that job lived in London. Mm. So came home, met somebody through that, and then basically adopted my first boyfriend's friendship group. And then got a job in Manchester with Chrissy Bottomley.
1: Oh well. There you go. That was it. That's it. That
0: was the beginning. She, she's
1: kind of all the friend that you need, really. <laughs> she's always there for you.
0: Yeah. So that was one of my first jobs, and then that changed everything, really, because I had people.
1: Mm. But that's what makes it all. If you don't have the fallback to laugh and cry, and uh, mm. you know, express joy or tell people your worries, then you kind of don't have everything, because you're just again, you're just in your own head by yourself. Mm. That's not good.
0: That's terrible. You don't even realise how bad it is.
1: At the time? No. No, of course you don't.
0: And London is tough if you don't have work or friends.
1: Was there ever a point that you just think, cause just talking about London, because I do think it can be quite an unforgiving city, mm-hmm. and I just dip in and out nowadays because I don't live here.
0: How long have you? Are you gone? Nine. Wow.
1: Nine years now. Because mm. he's eight. Mm-hmm. So that's so I always gauge it from there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah. And it is the best thing I've done. Yeah. But I'm lucky because I get to come in and have a little fix. But there's nothing. I was walking today to here and I said within myself, oh, I just can't wait to get out. I can't wait to get out of London today. And it was just one of those days.
0: And you arrived yesterday?
1: Mm, Yes.
0: Fuck <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But also, you
1: know, the well weather out. is grim. People are just angry, mm. and I just can't really have that in my life at the moment. Mm. And you certainly can't.
0: No, but it's weird. Like nowadays, even coming in here is a big deal. Like I live in Hackney, and I never come into town. You know, just stay around Hackney.
1: Also, you don't need to, do you? No, it's You've got brilliant. Nearly everything there, and it can be quite. It's a good community.
0: Mm. It's and friendly. That,
1: which is what you need,
0: yeah, totally, which is desperately what I need. I've no friends, <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've sorted it out. You've got the friends now, right? Yeah, I got the friends, it's over a decade ago.
1: So, <laughs> you're <laughs> in because you started working so young. When did it ever get to a point, or did it? I don't know, that it just got too much, and you just went, I, I can't be dealing with this, I don't want to do this anymore.
0: To do the job. Mm. Never. It, ta- it never. No. But
1: it never. Di- do you think it's because you... I don't want to say put your head in the sand, but certainly focused on that the job is the be-all and end-all, so therefore if you ever saw a chink in that armour, it could all fall away, so you wouldn't give yourself that chance to even think outside the box.
0: Maybe, yeah. I think since as long as I can remember, my whole identity has been wrapped up in being an actor before I knew what an actor was, yeah. even. Yeah. That I could because you were learning
1: it from somebody else, and you were around that environment, obviously. Yeah,
0: and, and I so desperately wanted to do it before I knew, like, to manipulate people's emotions. Like I thought I was playing God or something. But before I knew what it really was, that it felt so much part to who I was, I never really separated the two, which is a bit fucked up, probably. But
1: but uh, also, yeah, it probably is. <laughs> fine. But is yeah. the thing we've all been there. Mm. You, you know, you just you're certainly not alone in thinking that yeah but there has to come a point surely when things like that change yeah do you feel much better now
0: much better craig you don't have to worry about me yeah much better much better in the last few years much better since i got out of that knockered relationship did therapy and have just kind of seen other aspects of life like i wouldn't never go on a holiday. I would never...
1: Oh, right. Oh, you were one of those? Yeah. Oh, my God, yeah.
0: Never. I, like, I'd see people going backpacking, I'd be like, that's brilliant, but unfortunately that's not for me because I need to be here 24-7. Just,
1: just in case. Yeah,
0: in case I get a phone call. So I only kind of started travelling, like, obviously travelled with work, but travelling separate to work in the last few years. You know, I went to Japan last year for three weeks. Oh, amazing. Amazing. Never would have done that. So things like that are so important. They're such a relief. Yeah, and there's a world out there that's much more than <laughs> auditioning and getting jobs.
1: Or waiting for an email or yeah. a phone call.
0: Yeah, that was amazing. And booked it a year in advance. It was just like, they're cheap flights. If we can get in that plane... Like, if I'm not working, getting on that plane. And we did.
1: Perfect. Brilliant. Did that healthy. That's so healthy.
0: Totally. I mean, I never even thought I'd be having a kid or anything like that because I just was so tunnel vision, which is really sad. Well...
1: It's only sad if you never, if you didn't genuinely didn't want a kid. Yeah. But to certainly put your life or somebody else's life or your boyfriend's life, partner's life, whatever, on hold because of work, then
0: mm.
1: it's kind of thank God you realised.
0: Totally, because it wasn't like I can't, it'd be fine if it was conscious decision. Actually, I don't want to have kids, and I'm making that in my mm. full. And you know, some people sense. do.
1: And yeah. I, I, huge respect to that because at least you've you're the one that's in control you've made that decision to go no I don't want that mm. I want to be married I do want to be married to my work and that's fine mm. but there is a sort of sensitive part of me that goes I know you say that but like what if in know 20 years and you're there and you're in your 70s and you just go yeah I kind of wish it's always one of my sort of really not um, not a worry, I suppose it used to be a worry that I never got to an age or to a point in my life where I went. Yeah, but I kinda I, I wish dot 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 yeah, you know, do you ever think that?
0: No, I don't think so. <laughs> 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 no, weirdly, I don't really look back and kind of go.
1: No, uh-huh. I'm looking forward. Uh-huh. I'm going, I never want to get to a point where I regret.
0: But what would you regret?
1: I don't know. Well, I don't, so I'm now all right. No, you see, so you're all
0: right so far. That's why it's, it was a worry, but it's not anymore. Yeah. Well, I guess, yeah. I hadn't even thought of that because I hadn't considered <laughs> uh, having kids or having a life outside of work.
1: And how did you feel when you became pregnant?
0: Uh- very happy, also slightly the old demons getting a bit scared going, what does it mean? Are people going to go oh no she's pregnant, she can't work or she's, she's, got, she's got a kid so we won't employ her this mad stuff, you know, things from being a kid and my mom saying in passing don't do what I did and those yeah. kinds of things uh, so that did come back and then I just had to give myself a talk and go, that's not going to happen it doesn't happen to everybody also I've no. never been that kind of actress who is the, you know pretty girlfriend next door anyway so it's not like those parts are going to dry up for me I've been playing mother since I was 20 so <laughs> <laughs> it's grand so it's a bad
1: time you were one in real life exactly then, yeah but also you just can't think like
0: that nah, right? because you're giving all the power away to something you can't control anyway the only thing you can control is your life really Yeah,
1: and it sounds like you kind of in quick you know you are in control of it right now yeah did it ever scare you when you weren't in control of it
0: No, because I didn't know any different. Right. So I was like, no, this is normal. It was only the old therapy that made me realise, oh, Jesus. I'm just so lucky that I came to it in my 20s and not in my 60s. Yeah. Because I would have just gone on like that.
1: That's exactly what I was saying before, isn't it? A good job. (sighs) Yes. That you know now. Yeah. Instead of later down the line where you go, well, look, it's never too late to change things, obviously, but you get to that stage and you go... Totally. It might be a little bit too late.
0: Yeah, and I know people like that, you know, who kind of have started therapy now in their late 50s or not even doing therapy, but realising something, you know, like a massive mistake. And it's much better than never realising it. I say to people, you know, you've got 20 years at least, hopefully, of being aware and enjoying your life. That's better than never.
1: Well, it's the only thing to enjoy life, isn't it? Totally. Ruth, let's carry on enjoying life.
0: Great! <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thanks so much for coming Thanks, on.
0: That's great, Great. That's it. Jeez. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, actually. It flew by. Yeah. don't know what the hell I said, but... <laughs>
1: <laughs> and another episode is done. What did I tell you? Yeah? A little bit happier now. Of Course, a massive, massive thank you to Ruth for um coming to see us when our waters might have broken. Uh, luckily, they didn't. Um, but it was lovely to see her and lovely to talk to her. She's just fantastic, and I hope you really enjoyed it. And look, thank you for downloading and subscribing. And you know where to find us, we are at two shop pod on all the social medias we would love hearing your thoughts and look thank you so much for all the messages and love that came in for simon neil from biffy Clyro a few weeks ago that kick-started our year um in fact i was talking to someone the other day and they were saying how much they loved that episode and they weren't having a particularly great day and they played the Simon Neal episode and there was a big beaming smile across the face because that's what Simon does to you. Um, I remember, I don't know if I said to you, I was absolutely exhausted. It was our final recording of 2019 and we recorded now, maybe six over a couple of days. And I'll be honest, it was the end. It was like five o'clock on a very dark winter's evening in Manchester And I thought, oh, Simon's here, I've got to do this. So I had to really sort of ramp myself up for it. But as soon as Simon walked in with his cracking smile, um, it just made everything all right. Uh, He's a great, great guy. I'm really pleased you enjoyed that episode. And look, do us a favour. Go and tell five people who haven't heard this podcast. You know, maybe they like listening to actors talk, not about acting, because that's dull. Maybe they like musicians, maybe they like poets, maybe they like artists, maybe they like musicians, you know, all sorts of people. You know the diverse range of people that we have on the podcast, and it's going to get bigger, it's going to get better this year. I'm really, really looking forward to it. Also, we've got some, I can't can't even tell you, I'll I'll give you a little, I'm not teasing you. It's just that sometimes um, my mouth runs away with me and then my brain has to catch up. Uh, you know that by now. Um, we've got some summer dates for you that are in our diary. But again, it hasn't been announced, so I can't tell you. But look, summertime is going to be a lot of fun. And we're really looking forward to seeing you. So when I can give you those dates, I promise I will. So look, um, yeah, if you do support us on patreon.com forward slash Podcast. Go there if there's anything you can spare for us. You know, you support this podcast. Um, That's how we keep going. And, you know, that we're so grateful for what you do. Um, But look, if you can't do that this month, maybe you can do it next month. Find that change down the back of the sofa. Maybe that's what you can do to support us. And please go tell some friends that we are here. We are the Two Shot Podcast. So until next week. I've been Craig Parkinson. He's been producer Griff. And this has been the Two Shot Podcast. Can I say Two Shot Podcast anymore? I've said it like 20 times. You know, it serves me right. Don't have two week break, Craig. Um, thank you for listening to this. And I promise I'll see you next week. So until then, take care, stay safe and stay sound.